What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's a long way to the top if you want to <laughs> rock and roll. Hi everyone, welcome to Rise House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. We're recording this ahead of the Champions League games. So as ever, the Stadio boys will cover those on Thursday's episode. Today, we are going to be talking about North London Derby, which was great. Goalkeeping shithousery and player apologies. And Barclays WSL. I'm going to give flowers as well to Kim Little. And my guests, one and only Flo Lloyd Hughes and Mr. Musa Akwonga. How are you? Moose, how are you? Very well, very well. All good, all good. I'm good, good? I'm good. Really good. Yeah. You lot meant to say then, how are you? How are you? (laughs) (laughs) We know how you are. Oh yeah, I know you're good. You you just said it was the best weekend of your life. Can I I just say, I'm not even joking, Flo. It's really weird that obviously playing football at the level I did, having to deal with the fact that fans, you have to just deal with fans and how they, and how they react to games, how they react to results, how they react to, what's happened and how we hear things about like managers would come in. George Graham used to love doing it and absolutely tear into us about what it means to them. And now that I've been retired so long and obviously Arsenal's my team and realizing how much an Arsenal win, especially against, against, against them, against Spurs or Arsenal playing poorly and not doing well, how much it actually affects my, my actual life and, how I go into the week. And I think that this, this weekend, more than any, I, f- I, f- I felt the energy change in my body. But just off of that, off of that win, I, I totally get it. It's almost like, I get it now. It's like a light came through the window, like the church window down. I said, Jesus Christ, this is what it means to fans. Yeah. And yep. it is, it is actually it. mad how much it affects your mood, a bad performance. Like, it would just ruin your week- weekend. And then the, the changes, the changes in you when, when you see a good one, you just lift it. It's just like this physical weight lifts and you're, it's like you're walking on air. You just feel so good. That mm. high, that high is so high. I mean, I can't imagine if, if you feel like that as a fan, I think it was Gary Lineker, wasn't he? He was doing an interview the other day with BBC News about working on Match of the Day and being a broadcaster. And he was mm. saying that high that you get, he, he, was, he was comparing it to being a fan and thinking about, well, as a fan, that, that high that you experience when you see a last minute winner go in, imagine mm. feeling that as a player. Wow. Imagine like, right. like that times that by 10, because that's, and, and that's, that's mad to me. Like how, how you ever get that high again is just, is crazy. You don't know, but you can't know. You can't, you have to make peace with it. You can't. You can't. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, you know what it is, Moose, as well. When you say make peace with it, but people always try to, people ask you all the time, continually, even to this day, what's it like to score a goal or of um, importance? Not even of importance, but maybe an equaliser. Like I was very fortunate to have scored equalisers at White Art Lane, winners at White Art Lane, score goals in the derby, score goals in finals. You cannot explain the, um, 
the adrenaline buzz and rush, no one, I don't care who you are, um, can explain. I think the closest, and it was quite philosophical and beautiful, was Manny Petit. Tried to, somebody asked him, can you explain what it was like when you scored the goal, the third goal in the World Cup final? And he stopped for a bit and he just said, I, I felt like I touched a rainbow, right? Wow. So it sounded amazing, but I thought, yeah, but that's still not, I, I understand no, that, nice. right? But like to try and explain it so as people say, okay, yeah, I've had that in this reason. Oh, if I'd done that, I might get that feeling. It's impossible. It's mm-hmm. impossible to, to explain it. And this is why, I suppose, from that side, that's where we're lucky. That's what we can try and give how you feel, but you still can't explain that. There's a sad, I think there's actually a bit of a sadness in it, to be honest. Um, I actually don't envy people that achieve those peaks that early, not because it's not an incredible thing, but you look at when Goetze scores that goal in the final, Todd Ryan this a million yes. times, and Goetze scores, and Goetze walks around in a daze, and you can see his face like, what have What's I done? Because Goetze yeah. is meant to be the guy, and everyone was like, Goetze is going to be the guy, and he gets there, like 22, 23, he does it. He achieves his destiny at 22, and then like, what do you do the rest of your life? Mm. Wow. But anyway, yeah. Talking of glory, let's get into the derby. The game. Moose, you know something? Um, and it's not for this, it's not for this podcast, but the time will come because I, I, I've had a lot of Man United fans coming because I got cooked. Remember, I got cooked. But we'll talk did, about yeah, yeah. what I got cooked for another time because, like I say, we're six games in. And can I say just quickly before we do talk about the game, Arsenal fans rejoice in this because the way we started that game against a Tottenham side that I believe are where Arsenal were a few months back. No, right, no direction. I don't know what our game plan was. No creativity. The top scorer that can't get nowhere near the ball. Um, and that's where Tottenham are. And the way we started from our goalkeeper through the midfield, Erdogan, right side and left side, overlooking sharp, they just couldn't live with the way Arsenal played that game. And if that's, that's, that's Mikel, that's what he wants to do. And if they can continue to harness and hone that, Jesus Christ, it's exciting. Because we saw it coming. People kept saying to me, oh, fucking hell, yeah. You beat Norwich, you beat Burnley. So going into this game, guys, if we lost that game or didn't play well, then we'd all be back to, well, it was only Norwich and Burnley. But... Three, it was a three, after three nil, it was a, a mauling. We mauled yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a very good team flow as well. Like, I don't know what you thought about it. When I looked at the lineup, I thought, okay, like those, those attackers are a bit young, but because they're just brilliant playmakers, those are three mm. of the best. Those are three of the best young playmakers. And I'm going to add, I'm going to start adding Smith Rowe to that. I think that still Odegaard and Saka are, I think are still a cut above Smith Rowe just in terms of where they are in, in mm-hmm. the European pecking order in terms of European right. playmakers. But certainly He's on his those way. are three of the top playmakers, young playmakers in Europe. Mm-hmm. And the only challenge I think that Arsenal have in the, in the medium term is just going to be squad depth, actually. I think the actual starting eleven is extremely good, yeah. actually. Yeah, the, the, I think that, that Gabriel and White centre-back partnership is key. It feels key. good. It feels it good. It's key to any success. I mean, ever since they came in, I think the first time they started together was that Norwich game. Mm. They were really solid. They looked so uh, aggressive as well, which is so important. Ramsdale adds to that aggression, his leadership, yeah. which is vital because they trust him. They mm. trust, there's a trust there. And obviously, right, you'll know from, from playing, like as soon as you trust each other, yeah. that helps you go places. I feel like there was such a lack of trust before. People mm. did not believe in each other to, to get the team out of danger. And I feel mm. like that White and Gabrielle partnership They've got to stay fit though. Like you yes. say, Moose said, they have yeah. to stay fit. I would be concerned as soon as one of them gets injured, mm. how mm. that unravels a little bit. I only live around the corner from the Emirates, but mm. as soon as I came out my flat on the, on the Sunday, mm. I just, if there felt like something in the air, something I was like, the, yeah. something's going to happen today. I just, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I could taste you, it. I was like, something is, it wasn't the onions from the burger <laughs> band. There was something there. You know what? Listening to Mikel say this is, it, because when he said it, guys, I don't, if you heard it, you must have heard it. He said, this is the best 14 days of my career, right? I don't know what it meant at the time, but it felt like it After was- After the Norwich game, right? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. It was, so it was remember, a bit bizarre at the time, I think. It was, Flo. It was. And, and, and the re- now you look back at it and you think to yourself, there's no European football. He's had all that time to work with them. He's got all the players 
he wants now. Remember the six signings, the six signings, I heard it on Ask Blog, big up to Andrew. He's had a, it was his birthday as well on the, um, um, on, on, the, on the Derby day. Oh, I, I, heard him say, I heard him say, his six signings that he made all finished the game and the five players that he re-signed, they all finished the game. So his six, his six players he bought and the five signings. So like you say, Moose, yes, we have to think about the squad depth, but what I'm feeling more than anything else is that there's been some form of moment. Like people talk about the, the Tuesday club or when we used to bond and we've gone to, a, we, we went to a place where we could literally say anything to each other. So in training, you could ball someone out. If we go out for the drink, you could say, you're not doing this and we need to do that because we're trying to do this. And you know what I mean? Unless you start getting, you're not training like you normally. So that, it seems to me that they've gone to a place where they believe in a matter. Anybody watching that game can see how much those players are invested in this manager and what he wants to do. Right. They are invested. You know, recently we're talking about someone like Abamyang. People saying, oh, he's not happy. Oh, he's, 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 he's signed the contract. He's not, he is ready to go, but he needed service. He's got it from those guys. We've got the midfield of Erdogan and Partey. You know, I saw Partey blasting to get into the box. You know, Erdogan just, ke- what? I was watching the game saying, Tottenham, are you going to do something about him? Who can do anything? Liverpool can do it at Anfield in the Champions League. So how can Spurs? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> when, when, when Partey is on, I, I've said this. Wow. Like, a lot of people don't fully understand just how good Thomas Partey is yet. In that access with Chaka, and it's all about combinations as well. You see Chaka now playing with that confidence and receiving yes. the ball in such dangerous areas. Mm. When players receive the ball in dangerous areas, then I'm like, this team is going to do something. Like the, the, the second Arsenal goal, yeah. there's no greater comment I can play that the way that uh, um, Smith Rowe took that, the way he took the second, the touch, you know, the touch when he the spins tech, off it and Abami, spins off and, he takes oh, the first Abami touch on the touch, volley. Yeah. He mm. takes the first, I said, that's Arsenal. But can I you tell know, you something, Moose? Yeah. But just quickly, Musa, before I come back to you, you see yeah, with yeah. that particular play, right? Yeah. That play they've obviously worked on, Flo. Right. But again, we're talking about margins because people are talking about foul, Xhaka on Hoiberg, which certain places you may have seen that given. People saying it should have been a foul. We end up, bam, 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 a Bamyang's touch. And Unreal. then what, what I keep talking about, guys, with the touches at full pace. Right is when you are dealing with the elite players. They're not thinking about the ball. Because if you look at Emil Smith-Rowe, he's actually has a time where he looks around and then he glimpses, that's when he sees Aubameyang and then he does it with his weaker foot and gives it back. But all the touches from the time, remember each run from the halfway line on a ball that's been flicked in. So it's in the hair and he's running at full pace. I was thinking to myself, honestly, honestly, that touch is unbelievable. Yes. Also Mm -hmm. shout out as well for the finish, which is basically like a George Weah finish. Just, See the George Weir finish. There's a goal that George Weir scores against um, is either Sampdoria or Napoli. When he hits it like uh-huh. that, he cuts it. The ball comes into his foot, and it's like it's in his stride, and he just cuts across it, and the keeper is just mm. and doomed. That's the, with those strikes. Doomed. They're so good that even when you almost, he did, if you ask him, he would probably say, "I didn't catch it as sweetly as I'd like to," but it was very clinical, controlled. In the way it was it controlled. Was. controlled. That's what it was. It's controlled. I remember Shearer scored one at Liverpool when they were about to win, when they, when, they, when they were trying to win the league that year, when they drew that Liverpool side, ball got cut back and Shearer just like smashed it right down into the goalkeeper's right. It felt like that, but Shearer caught it clean. Yes, but yes. I swear to, but in, in that moment, I was thinking, my God, this, this, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. And you know what? Massive, massive big up to Tommy Yasu. You see that Carve? He's good. What's he is oh good. Oh my God. Did you see what yeah. that, 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 doing rounds with that Carve? Carve Sokohol. Yes, yeah. His disrespect of of Tommy Asu when we signed him, who still has not been beaten in duels, is still looking awesome. You know what I mean? And I'm just thinking to myself, my God, it's happen. It's just happening. I think I think when you see a player like him, because I I was at his first game against Norwich, his debut, Mm. and I thought. The confidence of this man, you don't mm. see a lot of players come into, and I know there's an arrogance of, well, the Premier League's best in the league in the world. I'm not saying mm. that, but I think, you know, it is hard to adjust to a new style of football, to a new team and a new mm. league. Mm-hmm. And the way he just came in, bam, first game. I, you know, I know Norwich are bad, but bam, first game, like he owned the place. 
Like mm-hmm. he'd been in that team for years. I, I was just blown away. I and then that. to see him replicate that again and again now, mm. and I hope he continues to do it throughout the season. Like yeah. he is, he could be the answer. Like he is good. Yeah. Well, he I shuts the, the flanks down though, doesn't he? Yes, he shuts he the flanks down. Then you've got Tierney and Tommy Asu. And that allows, it's great because then it allows Smith Rowe and Saka to play close yeah. together. And yeah. all of a sudden, Aubameyang has accompaniment. Did you see he had three beautiful efforts? The one that was now over the bar, and yes. then the one at the near the one at the near post. That to me was something because I'm like, when you're hitting things like that, when you're almost beating Lloris's near post, then you are sharp. Mm, yes, yes, like sharp. That, that effort of the, that was an incredible effort. He's back. Actually. And what about yeah. the move for that? The move to, to yeah. link to deceptive, that, elusive. And you yeah. know what? I'm, yeah. I'm feeling really like. For Tierney as well, before because we're not going to stay too long because I don't want people to say oh, Arsenal, Arsenal. But the fact is, this is a it's a well, wonderful. It's, it is a your house, so let's. Uh, thank you very much. I do what I want it. in here. I do what I want in here. But Tierney, I'm feeling like he can almost relax in a game. I don't. Know, it's where we feeling. Oh my god, the, the the burden on this man to continue to create, mm, and then you right. look at the way the way Saka, the way Saka is like just owning that right side. You've got to understand at 19, he's coming up against def- defenders. Reggion is now looking like, when Reggion came, I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, Real Madrid, you've got some players. But now I'm watching him, he doesn't look nowhere near what he was. And he did not have a clue what to do with, with Saka. But does, Saka anyone, could go, does anyone have a clue? Yeah but, the, yeah, but the thing is, is that, he didn't know whether to go in. What should I do if he goes inside? That's his strong foot. Is he going to go outside me like he did to set up Smith Rowe's? You know, first I love goal? about the Saka step over. Then I love about it. It's like when you what? watch. I mentioned this before. Like a crossover in basketball. Some players have a very elaborate crossover motion, right, mm-hmm. to set up the shot. Saka's step over is just. It's like a minimal thing. It's like okay, just enough to get separation. Mm. That step over that he does for the assist is so clever because it's like it's not like some big fence. It's just like bang, I'm going to unbalance you and slip the ball right in behind you. And mm. if you see, it's so clever because it unbalances Reguilon. He's like looking over two shoulders. And yes. He's gone. He's, he's moving him. him. And he's I want to say him. this as well on the podcast, just to throw this in. I said this in the chat, but I've got to say it to you. Like most iconic Arsenal player since Cesc Fabregas. I think wow. Saka. Yeah, it was a big, in terms a of big what, statement. Yes. In terms of what he's carrying, mm-hmm. in terms of what Saka is carrying and what Fabregas had to carry. And for a long time, there was a bit of a wilderness. There's no wilderness anymore. If you look at like, um, what's that, what's that, uh, is it Game of Thrones where like Jon Snow like charges all by himself and there's no backup and for like a few seconds there's no backup but he's still got the sword out and he's like I'm going to do this I don't care and then the army comes then the army comes and backs him up the ca- I feel like the yeah. cavalry has now joined has now joined Saka I, th- I think there's just a balance as well I mean I can't remember if I came on after that Chelsea game but the Chelsea game there was no there were there were like Arteta was not adapting to issues that were coming yeah. up and the, and the team mm. was so unbalanced. It was yes. just, everything was coming. Didn't know what it, we were doing there. Didn't have any idea. And mm. now I feel like there's much more balance to it. You've got strength on both sides of the pitch. Mm. And I just feel like it's, it's all coming together there's a little bit There's something happening better. in the middle as well. There's something yeah. happening in the middle. So it seems like we've got different places, different places to attack from. And we can, we can hurt people from, so many different areas because if you're going to leave Erdogan and you're going to keep a high line with Aubameyang, then Erdogan is going to, he's going to play over the top. You know, you know, if you're going to try and press Arsenal, as long as Xhaka, you know, means gets on his toes and stuff, you're going to press Arsenal with a goalkeeper like Ramsdale, who is just like, did you see the shit What's going on with Ramsdale and the, um, <laughs> and, and, and the ball boys. He's actually, again, like telling the ball boys, just wait, 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 don't just <laughs> slow down, man. Don't give it back yet. <laughs> They're just trying to do their jobs, Paul. The ball, pat- ball you know boys. what? What you saw, and, and as well, looking at Mikel Arteta and the, how animated he was on that sideline, yeah. that gives you as a fan energy. Mm. It gives you energy. You look at your manager from the side doing that, you are charged, right? I can't remember too many games where you're playing in a game like a Tottenham game where at that stage of the game, you blast into such an early lead, so dominant because it's it's so cagey. You're so afraid in the first 10, 15 minutes that you just want to make sure, let's see what they're doing. And somebody always goes at you. Then you see those tackles flying in and then you kind of get settled down and then bam, then you go. But for Arsenal to come out of that game, literally Usain Bolt out of the blocks. 
boom, out and into their stride. Just like, it was just brilliant to watch. And watching a Tottenham side that literally looked bamboozled. Mm. I'm looking at Harry Kane, right? And we, like, we can't speak about Tottenham in the current climate without mentioning his, 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 his frame of mind as a striker. As a striker, you're going into games, even when you're scoring, and there's just a fucking shitload going in your head. I want to make sure I keep scoring. I want to keep this touch. I want to get, if the ball, I'm going to, I want to make sure I'm still, but when you score, you feel like, yes, it's happening. I don't know what frame of mind he's in at the moment, because I'll tell you what I saw for the second goal, Harry Kane, I saw him do something. If you remember it, guys, he got caught on the ball and he didn't know what he was actually doing to the point yes. where yes. he missed kind of, so he missed kind of step, missed kick. So he, he was going to kick it, but then he tried to drag his foot back and then he missed the ball. We won the ball. And then from there, is where it got interesting what I watched because I saw Tottenham in the first half get down the, the right-hand side, somebody, and Harry Kane was still on the edge of the box. He wasn't attacking the box, right? And in this instant, when he lost the ball, he ran 60 yards nearly. He actually tackled Saka. Yeah. That's how much determination he showed to try and get back and rectify his mistake. He tackled Saka, but the ball still ran Saka, but obviously Saka scored. But what I saw in that was he's not making the moves that he should be making as a striker, but he's going to try and rectify a mistake and run 60 yards. And you only want him to run five maximum in the opposing box. I agree with you there as well. But I don't agree with the statement that, oh, he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there, because I feel like that defensive run mm. shows that he still he's, he's got cares some about this team. Yeah. He still cares about his teammates. He still cares about the club. So I, it's it's because I think everyone since has been talking about the fact that, oh, you know, they should have sold him. He wants mm. to be at City. He doesn't want to be at Tottenham. But I don't get that. I just feel like he's lost and confused more than anything. Mm. And I don't think it's even to do with the transfer. I think it's to do with the new manager. He's not comfortable perhaps where yeah. he's playing. He's not comfortable what he's being told to do rather yeah. than a case of, oh, I'd rather be at Man City. Moose, yeah. I don't know what. I, I like just that think, how fast, think how fast the Spurs dream has imploded and how he was at the centre of that dream. When he signs that deal, which people criticise now, and I get they criticise mm. it, it's easy to criticise it now, but at that point where his career was in relation to the England team, the star player, um, Pochettino there, players coming in, you know, Champions League fight, like all of the, this yeah. stuff was, it was all, all to play for. Yeah. And it has imploded. It has imploded and it's gone backwards at such a speed that like, you know, people talking about, you know, Spurs potentially winning the Champions League. Mm. Spurs potentially challenging, you know, maybe, you know, obviously they needed like a lot of reinforcements, but maybe could have come back, had some kind of title run, Champions League run. And now where are they? They're completely oh, marooned. Wow. And apart from Son, you know, where are the reliable sources of goals? And I don't mean Deli Ali going on a hot streak. Mm. I mean, as in like a team going on and, you know, players that can reliably be eight out of 10 every single week yeah. in attacking positions. And you're right. He's mm. in Aubameyang's position. And everyone talks about Aubameyang, you know, being poor for Arsenal. Well, it's kind of stranded. Now, look, yes. I'm, I'm from an outsider, an outsider's perspective. I, I still think the move should have happened. Mm. I still think he should have gone. I still think they should have sold him for a large amount of money and helped Spurs rebuild in all the different areas because I think that, you know, his career trajectory, and Spurs fans might not like me for saying this, his career trajectory, I think where City are and where he is now, there's a better parity there. That's yeah. going to sound harsh for me to say, but that's how I felt about it. But I think that, you know, I, I kind of, I think Spurs are accountable for this ultimately mm. because, I think, you yeah, know, far more often than not, Kane has not been found wanting. Kane has delivered. Mm. And I think at a certain level, if you're going to have a player like that, you've got to deliver around them. You know, you've got to provide mm. the structures around them for that person to be happy. It's all very well going, oh, Kane should have wanted. Well, no, give him something to work with. Sorry to be harsh, but yeah. Just, no, you know. no, no, no. I, I'm watching eagerly, hoping. There's something is Delhi Ali. He got taken off, and again, you know, people say, "Oh, Delhi's he's gone. He's this and that." Delhi's not. I've, I, I, I analyzed the game Delhi done early on in the season, where he literally done every aspect of the midfielder's job. He was in his own box. It's a fine player. Um, yeah, he was in his own box clearing up. He was in the midfield clearing up and going forward. He was getting into the box when he scored the goal. Um, and I, and I'm watching him at the moment. I'm thinking under Nuno. You know, I'm thinking if, even if Spurs did sell Harry Kane for whatever it was, 150 million, whatever it was, to give it to Nuno and the way that Nuno plays, 
I don't know how that would have worked out with them. The fall from Poch to where they are now. It's painful. It's painful. It is, it is painful. And you look at Delhi. Delhi is a the midfield. He's not that midfielder, what you want doing all that breaking up or linked. He is, a, he's a second striker for me. That is how Delhi blasted onto the scene with, for us. What I saw Delhi when he was at MK Dons, his best work was arriving late. Arriving late, arriving in the box and finishing. That is what he is. There's two, you know, Spurs have got a problem. It's the riddle, the riddle problem. You look at a dressing room or a squad, there's just too many riddles in that squad. Mm. You know, when you look at it, like there's just too many. Yes. Like, I, I'm answered. confused. I, yeah. you, can, you can't see from outside. We don't know what's going to dressing what's on the, on the training ground. But I look at that squad, I'm like, there's a riddle there and a riddle there. And there's mm. just too many things to solve. Whereas I look at Arsenal right now and Arsenal have been through it, but I look at Partey, Aubameyang, I know what these players are about. Tierney, I know what they're about. I know what I'm getting. Mm. And we, you know, we had it at United. We still have it at United to an extent where you look at players and you're like, does that make it's sense? Riddle, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you look at, yeah, you look yeah, at yeah. a team flow and there's like the critical mass of like, there's just too many riddles in here and this team's not going to go anywhere in the short term. It's not going to I think happen. that's, I think you always get that when you try and patch too many players together. Uh, I think Man United have, have been doing that for years of just spending loads of money on a, on a collection of people that don't really quite make sense. When What's you the word you're looking of- for? V? Begins with V. What vibes? Some of those guys don't even have vibes. Some of those guys are very, very vibeless. I would say. <laughs> you know what? I wanted to just just quickly say what was really good. I know it's like people say, "Fuck's sake!" You've already spoken about Arsenal, but you know when Arsenal play out of the back, and you know when you kind of feel that, that um, the fans feeling like, "Oh fuck, what are you doing?" And then it goes bam, 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 out. It's such a beautiful thing when someone beats the press with beautiful passing. It's the best. Can I just say one thing? This made me laugh, actually. It's no disrespect. It made me laugh. When Smith Rowe scored his goal, he was Mm. so excited. Bless him. He didn't go and celebrate with Saka. I know. Saka Saka was... It was like, you know, it was like like in Lord of the Rings when Samwise carries Frodo all the way up the hill and Frodo just drops the ring. He's like, hey, everyone, look. Sam is just there exhausted. Sam's trying to celebrate with Frodo and the eagles are there. Frodo's like, look. It's funny, Moose, because you notice that, I noticed that, but then the only thing you can do, I I guarantee as well, when you see that, because what you do is sometimes when you get in the moment when you score. It's the moment, yeah, it's the moment, of course. You can imagine what that will, what that will mean oh, to him. I don't know what I'd score. do. I think I would just take off all my clothes. I think just, I'd just exactly. be so like... It's why, we're not, Flo, it's why we're not footballers. It's why we're not footballers. Take my shirt off, <laughs> shoes and socks. I'd just be like, ah! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We did mention a little bit of um, goalkeeper shithousery. And I, I love shithousery. I'm not even joking. It's like the king of shithousery, Jamie Vardy. I love when he scores. Because yeah. it's not just when he's, he's at home. He, he, he goes, he finds the away fans and gives it to them. But when he's away, it's the shithousery that he does. But can I say, what I saw with Emi Martinez, with, um, with Man United, it was just like, I'm thinking... I, if that's my goalkeeper, I, I, I love him for what he done because he's kind of calling out Ronaldo to say, listen, you take it, man. I want you to take it. Why? Because I want, to say, <laughs> I want you to take it. And it's almost like to, with, with Bruno and you've got to understand the level the levels of what he's doing here because he knows, right? Bruno's taking it. But like, and this is, I, I can't wait to hear what you lot think about the penalty taken and who should have taken it anyway. But he's talking to Ronaldo without even acknowledging Bruno. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. Amazing. It's, it's amazing. Inc- do you know what it's like? It's like when, do you know what it's like? It's like when Kendrick, Kendrick <laughs> did that diss on that verse, Control, and named all these rappers and other rappers were angry that he hadn't named them. <laughs> and it absolutely boiled their blood. They were releasing tunes. And Kendrick said, nothing. Kendrick's like, no, it's not your head that, that I want. Honestly, Flo, it's just the, the mind game of it. So I'm thinking, this is, this is brilliant. 
Genius. You know, we're talking about somebody who I think it's he's, he's got twenty two of the last twenty three or something. Right? Yeah, Bruno. I think he's now on twenty one. So at that point, it was twenty two or twenty one yes. out of twenty two or something, and now it's twenty one out of twenty three. Something like that. But we're talking about a remarkable record. So yeah. this is where this is where I got all like confused about. Okay, I understand that, but if we're talking about a penalty um, at that stage of the game, we know that Bruno's done it, but Ronaldo's done it in on bigger occasions and where it's must score. Like, you know, it's, I've, when you take a penalty that is must score, you go into a different level of, right, focus. You know, when the people start fucking around by the penalty. So, and you know, when you see people messing around, going to the referee, it's not for anything because no one's going to change the decision. All they're doing is delaying so as it can get into your head for you to try and change your mind about what you want to do. And what you'll find with certain people, especially people who haven't practiced them, which is very surprising for me with the way Bruno took his penalty, because I hadn't seen him hit one like that, is it was enough. What Emmy Martin has done, the fact that there was a lot of commotion just waiting, da-da-da-da-da, his mind got frazzled, right? Because the penalty was terrible for a player of his calibre. But for me, I'm early door, I'm saying, listen, I want Ronaldo taking the penalty. Um, people say, well, yeah, but why? Look at his record. Because it's Ronaldo. Because it's Ronaldo. And because they've lost the game. And because, for me, Ronaldo's not hitting that ball over the bar. I don't care what Emmy's doing. Ronaldo scores that penalty and smiles at him. But Bruno, he, he fucking skied it, bro. Yeah, but he do you know why it. he skied? No, but he didn't sky it because he's not a good penalty kicker. He skied it, I think, because of that little play that we saw. We saw it because of that short film. We saw it because of the short film. We saw it because Emmy Martinez, the genius of him, the genius of Emmy Martinez, Emmy Martinez knows for a fact there's a load of people in that crowd who are like, Ronaldo should be taking this, even though Bruno's the guy, because Ronaldo's <laughs> the shiny new toy. And that was the genius of what he did. Yeah. Because he tapped into that conversation and that insecurity. Clever. Even though. Even though Fernand, Fernand, Bruno Fernandes is like, I'm the kind of prince king of Old Trafford at the moment, which he was, even despite Pogba, like Bruno Fernandes He's, was the king, right? Ronaldo yeah. turns up. Now you know there's an alpha there. Okay, I, um, I'm not on that. I've still got penalties. That's my thing. That's my, I do this. This is what I do well, right? Mm. Penalties are my thing. And then if you think about it, the last thing you're expecting is someone, and to be honest, actually, this is, this is Bruno Fernandes' fault. I'm blaming him because he should have expected this from Martinez because we all saw what Martinez did in the Copa America. Mm. We all saw the highlights. We all saw <laughs> this man talking to people in the shootout. We all saw him talking. So we knew what he was going to do. So Fernandez should have just been like, I'm going to mind my own business. But he like, just, he got, yes. what's, that thing in, what's that thing they said in the wire? String, you got caught up in a web. Omar said it. <laughs> Bruno got caught up in a web. And you know what was good about it is, it's funny because I remember Roberto Baggio in 94, mm. saw Roberto Baggio doing an um, interview. And it's really strange because you don't see Roberto Baggio ever do that. And he says, I have never in all the time I've played football, kicked the ball like that. And it was like he, he said, um, I was totally out of control of what I wanted to do. It's the mm. only time I'd ever got into a position where I'm going to take it and I wasn't in control of what I was going to do. And I think that what Emmy Martinez, Emmy Martinez done to Bruno is he treating with such disdain Yes. And then throw into all of the, throw into the mix that, you know, he is playing in his mind that, you know, really, um, maybe Ronaldo should be taking this, but I'm going to score this and I'm going to, I'm going to score so emphatically that people won't question that I should be on the penalty. Because look at now, all yeah. people are talking about is who's going to take the next one. Right. If, if the next penalty comes up and Ronaldo's taking it, what does that do for Bruno Fernandez's mind from now on? What this does is what that I'm do? This is, and Emmy Martinez knew that. He put a spirit bomb in here. He planted a spirit <laughs> bomb in his soul. And that's what makes Martinez so scary, Flo, because he had a strategy. That's what makes him so terrifying. He it's was brilliant. like, I have, yeah, I have an idea. I've got a scheme for that. Because Bruno Fernandez, the apology. Oh, don't. I can't. It's so embarrassing. Also, it means that actually when someone, it completely devalues an actual apology. Yeah. Because now saying sorry is almost meaningless because if you're making guys apologize for something like that, I mean, now any apology is out the window because these guys are having to say sorry for just doing, like, it's a mistake. So, it happens. Yes. Everyone makes mistakes in their jobs. Would you be right? You know, say you accidentally send an email and mm. instead of 
BCCing everyone, you CCC everyone, and everyone can see each other's email addresses. Mm. You're going to write some notes app apology to your boss and, and post it on Twitter saying, I shouldn't have CC'd exactly. everyone. I should yeah. have BCC'd them. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so gutting, gutted. You know, I won't do it again. And then all your colleagues reply being like, we're together, bro. Don't yeah. worry. Like we yeah. all make mistakes. We all CC <laughs> each other sometimes instead of BCC. Don't worry about it. Like, come on. Come it's on. Just, it's to, yeah, but Flo, what I'm seeing is, Moose, what I'm seeing is, after every game, yeah, not the result we wanted, but we go again. Yeah, oh, no, not, you know, brilliant performance. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing it? And who are they doing it for? Because the fans that really care, for, they're, they're not interested and not bothered in that because they've watched you. They've watched I'm you actually sympathetic. It. I'm sympathetic to it, actually. We're not in the age of social media like they are. It's the damage limitation, isn't it? Like, it is, it totally you know, is. You know, you know, Ian, you know, there's, there's been times when you've said something on the podcast or whatever and people mm. haven't liked it. And there's been mm-hmm. one or two times where you said stuff just to kind of stem the tide, even though mm. you're like, I know there's no problem between me and the people I talk about, but you say it not because you don't mean it, not because it's not sincere. I'm not saying his apology is not sincere. He doesn't feel bad he missed it. Mm-hmm. But because the way that social media runs away with itself, I think Bruno Fernandes knows if he doesn't say anything, then it, the conversation just becomes something it's not meant to. It goes into a place where you can't control it. If you come straight out afterwards and go like, I'm sorry, I missed the penalty, then there's no, the debate about Ronaldo or me taking the penalty, it, it, it kind of stop. it freezes it in time. Like even Ronaldo coming yeah, but- out straight afterwards going, oh, bad luck. I, mean, I know it sounds weird, but I think that when I see players do stuff like this, my gut reaction is like yours. I'm like, why are they apologizing? Then I think mm. to myself, hang on a minute. In the world of football, when something seems ridiculous, there is normally a good reason for it. Do you think, sports psychologists would recommend that they do this. Do you think it's almost like part of the cleansing process? It feels like it. I don't know. That was the, that's the only it. thing I would think. Obviously, it's a kind of a cringe, cliche PR mm. thing. But at the same time, do you think it's part of like cleansing your mistake, moving on and not getting stressed it in those situations again? Do you actually think it's part of the process? It, that would be the only be. thing. I don't know. It could be because the, the way Musa explains it and the, and the, the fact that it's... The, the world that they are living in now it's the world of the current footballer to to yeah. do that because you have to placate a certain noise See, that's what that's what i think it is i don't think i don't think i think it's a i think it's a i know it sounds weird to say this and it sounds like i'm because I'm, you know missing the penalty obviously it is what it is but i feel like it's almost like putting a fire break there because if you don't say anything you allow this thing to just rage online and if you put a unified front out there look it's not just that Bruno Fernandes came out and said it, it's the fact that everyone like is on Instagram and there's like a unified front can I be brutal though yeah it shouldn't have been one nil in the last minute <laughs> that, the penalty should not that penalty that scenario should not have existed mm. given the energy in Old Trafford given the energy about the Ronaldo signing given the quality of player Manchester United have the game and this is listen let's give credit to Villas we did on Stadio like Aston Villa came and played superbly absolutely absolutely and at the same time, with the resources Manchester United had at their disposal, have at their disposal, mm-hmm. there were multiple opportunities earlier in the game for this result not to be like this. And this is why people are forgiving of the penalty, because ultimately they're like, nah, but it shouldn't have been 1-0 in the last minute. Like, this isn't the thing. Yeah. Like, if we're serious about winning the league, if we're serious about competing, being in the top three and thereabouts in the last couple of months of the season in the right. title race, no, we're not, we shouldn't be at this position. Well, it's all distraction technique mm. at the end of the day. It's all kind of like magician curtain nonsense to have this social media apology to hide from the fact that Solskjaer may be struggling. It's all a distraction technique. So, Barclays WSL. The one game I watched, I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, watching, watching Man United, how they are now, right? I know we're going to go on to to Chelsea and Arsenal and stuff like that. But watching Man United the other day, they've got problems. Yeah, I, I've been, I was impressed with Man United the first two games of the season, but they hadn't played one of the big sides yet. Mm. And I feel like all this is reaffirmed is that there is still a massive gap massive. between the big sides and, and the middle and then the bottom sides. Obviously, mm. we saw Man City beat, sorry, we saw Spurs beat Man City the other day, mm, but it was kind yeah. of a fluke. It was a fluke. It was handball. Ridiculous. Like, it was handball. It wouldn't have happened on another day. Brighton beat Chelsea last season, but these 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 wins are very rare. Like you can remember them as single events. That's how mm. rare they are. So I think it just reaffirmed the gap in these teams. And also, yeah, the loss of Casey Stoney and how Man United are starting from scratch now because they let go such an important coach. Yeah. And the thing is, it's the same as like with the, when I done the England game against North Macedonia and like I was saying on there and people saying, are oh, you so cruel? And I say, no, 
no, this is the way you, 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 you bring this game to where it needs to be and people have to understand the levels and what you have to do to get the levels to where they need to be to compete at this level. You have to beat these teams yeah. out of sight. Beat them out of sight. What I saw the other day, so was then what happens with the coaches. The coaches have to coach these girls better, right? Simply because Man United continuing to try and play out against Chelsea and yeah. that press. You think to yourself, what are you doing to these ladies, man? What are you doing to them? Continuing to get them. And it's not like they're not good enough to do that. But the fact is they're playing against Chelsea, trying to play out from the back. I could, you could easily say four of those goals were just mistakes and people not it's, knowing. It it's, one so of the most, it's one of the most frustrating watch. things when I watch any type of football is the inability to adapt to the situation around yes. you. It is yes. basic. I've watched it with QPR for, for years. Is if you can't, if you're struggling to play out from the back, do not play out from the back. And this yes. was one of the one of the few positive things about having Neil Warnock as coach is he was a Rosehead manager. He was <laughs> never bothered about the beauty of playing out from the back. If you were in trouble, trouble, just kick it out of the fucking stadium. Do not piss about. And I feel like yes, it's important to have a foundation to build possession, to then build opportunities to score goals. But if you are being pressed by a team like Chelsea, who have the best front three potentially in the world, mm. you do not muck about. And if you've already conceded two goals that are because your your defenders were under pressure and mm. they couldn't play out from the back, don't keep doing don't it. Keep it's just, it. it's so basic and it pisses me off so much when I watch it time and time again. And I saw it in Man United last season when they played at Old Trafford and they nearly lost to West Ham, their first mm. ever game at Old Trafford. Casey Stoney was still in charge. She wasn't massively impressed with being at Old Trafford because of everything else behind the scenes. Yes. But they, went, they nearly lost to West Ham because they kept playing out from the back and kept putting themselves under pressure. It's just like, and adapt then, to the scenarios around you. Yeah. And it's up to the coach to, to, to help them as well. But and it's then just you, like, yeah. come on. You, you can't be doing that. Did you see Pernil Harder, bro? Oh, that goal was unreal. Half, ran half the pitch. Ran the half the pitch. Was, the problem with that through, goal was, they were like, no, no, finish. The problem with that was, it was like watching one of those... Um, it's one of those martial arts movies and the ninja, before the, the ninja even moves and everyone knows they're dead. <laughs> like, everyone knows they're already dead. Like the, opponent, like, the way she moved, the way that she angles her body on the run. And we saw it so many yeah. times with Wolfsburg, like the angling. And it's awful because the defender is near, but really they're not, they're nowhere near. Yeah. Does that make they're sense? Not, no, like, she's in no, yeah. no, no, they have no say Total control. And she's you know what? You know what? She, she's quite a calm... So, well, she's not calm because she gets lively in games, but you know, in the NBA, when, when someone like scores a, a game winning three pointer and they go to the, the suspension, they're like mm. high fiving and like chest yeah. pounding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was doing that because she knew it was such a good goal. She was like, yes, she mm. was feeling yes. it. She was like, that was sick. And I am sick. Oh, I'm I, one of the best players in the I, world. Can I tell you I about, love it, I love it. what love I love it. about love that it. goal, right? The thing about that goal is, is like Moose, was absolutely right. She was totally in control of it. Even though they were close, they weren't close, but to be moving at that point, pace mm. than to finish with that subtlety it's it's people people take these things for granted what she's Actually, doing we, we take for granted that front three harder Kerr, kirby that mm. is those are vultures wolves yeah. the energy they have they will come they'll counteract any they can all initiate their own they're they eating everything, like you say. It's, 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 it's a generational yeah. generational yeah. front three that, right. yeah. you they know, can, once in a lifetime they can play. Mm -hmm. This is the, the wild thing about this front three. They can play as soloists. Mm -hmm. They could each nominally, I mean, Kirby, I mean, it's less effective through the middle, but could go through the middle if, if Kirby had to. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that they can, they can be soloists and they can also be like, in, they work in tandem. They combine mm -hmm. like beautifully. And the thing about, this sound a bit harsh, not playing out from the back, like, or, or going long. I think what's happened is people have been conditioned to see it as like a lower form of football. Like if you notice now, they can't even bring themselves to call it long ball. It's like beating the press. It's a long ball. Mm, There's no shame it's a in long it. Ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean, Flo? Oh, beat the press. Yeah, it is. It has yes. people like Neil Warnock and Sam Allardyce have shamed the long ball. It's like you <laughs> yeah. can't even speak of it anymore yeah. because of those guys. Clearance exactly. shaming, exactly. They stigmatized it. So Arsenal were brilliant the other day, but yeah. in particular, Kim Little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's retired, Flo, from international football. Yeah, she has, sadly. I it's yes, sadly for Scotland. But like for her to make that decision, she obviously feels like she's, she's in a place now where she needs to be putting all her energy into what we're trying to do at Arsenal and what they're doing at Arsenal. When you listen to the coach and how he speaks about, we're talking about a player who's, ne she's never below eight out of 10. I've never seen Kim Little play poorly. 
you know, she, and you know, when you look at the, the Olympics you played or all the Olympics you played, if God, if if we could, if England, England are missed. That's it. She's exactly know, what England's. Been. Oh my God! If Kim Little was English, we'd be it'd be game over. I don't care what anyone says, but for her to, I was sorry for Scotland, delighted for Arsenal because, like I say, when you, a manager, she's a manager's dream simply because. He can count on her in any situation. She can beat the press with dribbling. If anything happens down there and she could dribble her way out of possession, out of, out of problems, she'll pass her way out. And like we saw with her goal the other day on the edge, she can get in that situation and score. It's like you know Saka's goal. It's just weird. It's funny, like two Arsenal it's, players scoring similar goals in terms of... Yes. They're like, like they're both the, to- the totems of their, of, their, of their attacking sort of lines. Two, and they're like... Yes. And the persistence she had for the goal, but then also the genius, the subtlety of that touch. Can I just say mm-hmm. like... We don't see enough chips over tackles in football. Like, because the level of calculation it takes when someone is committed to flip over them, we don't see it enough. Most players mm-hmm. will commit because they're like already hyped. But the cold bloodedness, <laughs> the cold bloodedness to chip the ball over a player who's committed themselves. One thing I'll say as well, one, one, one sympathy I have for, for City, just the injuries. We have to like just oh, mention. too many. Yes. Look, God, the fact that they are on their bench, they had three players fewer on their bench because their injuries are so bad. That is the level it went yeah. to. Like, you know, mm. they're, they're missing what, um, long-term missing Lucy Bronze. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chloe Kelly. Chloe Kelly is out. Yeah. Ellie Robot. Yeah. Hayley Rasso, they've only just signed. Um, so it, was is, a bit, it, it was a bit of a mess. It was a bit of a mess, to be honest. But, but isn't it wild? I mean, at the same time, Arsenal, full credit to them for taking advantage because now, all of a sudden, there was a particular moment last season when Heath and Press were still at United and Stoney was there and you're like, this could be a four-way race for the next two, three years. Mm. Yeah, they were mm. top for a little bit. I mean, right. they, are, they, did have a, they did have a fairly easy fixture list at the start of the season, but... And now, was- with Chelsea's drive, because Chelsea, unfortunately, that Champions League final defeat, I don't care what they say, that is going to be rent-free in some of their heads. Well, so Chelsea are trying to... They're on a European revenge mission and that yes. has given maybe just the opportunity for Arsenal to sneak in sneak, yes. in the WSL and go hard after it. And that is very exciting for them. I Chelsea are on like a yeah. Musa Kwonga book tour, except it's the European revenge tour. Wow. <laughs> wow. People firing shots. Signings, <laughs> signings now. If you want to get a signed copy, you can see them I'm play. Oh my God. Wolfsburg, Juventus. No, there's something, wow. there's something about, there's something about Kim Little and, and I think pl- any player stands out like this. It's, it's how composed and confident and assured you are on the ball. You mm, know yeah. that, when someone like that has the ball, it, it's stuck to their feet. You can't, it's mm. super glue. You, you can try mm. and get that ball, but you're not getting it. Mm-hmm. You're not, there's strength and there's balance. The balance is unbelievable. And I think it helps that she's quite small as well because your centre of gravity is so yes. low. Yeah. You can really get yourself out of troubling situations. And I think she's a joy to watch. I know some people maybe don't think she does enough sort of special game-changing moments, but I think no. it's the quietness to her that makes exactly. her so special. It's bollocks. No, okay. Them saying, because what she gives, what she gives, mm. that consistency, consistency, what she gives is exactly, exactly what Arsenal need, is exactly what, like I say, what, what England need in what, how you, she does it. We were talking on Stadio about advanced metrics, advanced stats that you wanted. A stat mm-hmm. I'd love to see where I think she'd show up really well is you know, available for passes. Like, you know, there's mm. some players who you want yeah. to make themselves available all over the pitch. Jesus. Christ, and I think yeah. Kim Little's that kind of player that can receive possession. You know, like when you're clearing up on the edge of the six yard box and someone just tucks in. Yes. And she will receive the ball there and receive it like mm-hmm. on the halfway line, back to goal. I was watching uh, the, I, 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 poor Ryan, I talk about this him all the time. Chavi in the uh, Champions League semi-final first leg, 2011, I think it was against, um, or 2009, 2011, against um, Real Madrid. And mm. poor Ryan, poor Ryan, he hates when I talk about this. <laughs> and Xavi loses the ball, I think, once in the first half. And it's in, like, mm. in an area that's completely safe. It's on the halfway line near the touchline. It's, like, it's fine to lose the ball there. And Kim Little, I feel, is the same in terms of like, the economy of movement, but also the, um, the responsibility of movement, the responsibility of possession. Like, and that is like the highest level of football, I think. Like, players that will take the ball anywhere in dangerous positions yeah. and get everyone else out of trouble. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do. I know. I do feel a little bit sad about her Scotland career because she missed Euro 2017 because mm. of an injury. Scotland qualified for the World Cup, obviously, in mm. 2019, and that tragic, like, absolutely tragic defeat to Argentina. Like, mm. she she mm. could have been a star on that on that world stage in that mm. way, and it does yeah. feel a shame that she won't get the opportunity 
Scotland didn't qualify for the home Euros next year, mm. which is a, a crying shame. Yeah. Um, do you think but, she retired? If they re- if they got there, do you think she would have retired from it? I think if the, she if they qualified, she would have, she would have gone and then maybe retired after that after, tournament. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I feel like she's still got she's still got stuff to give. It's just like she, she's kind of had a cursed international career, apart from those Olympic um, performances, which were, were mm. really really good. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Arsenal can do this season. Yes. And we have we only saw ten minutes of Tobin Heath, and we're not even really talking yeah, about her. So love Tobin. the best I is yet to wait. come. The best is yet to come. Arsenal's yes. bench, Caitlin Ford. You look at that bench. You're like, this is. Ridiculous. There are That'll demons here. This that is will demons. Get, that will get the rest of that team going. That will make them realise where that, because again, we've got a manager who he can't hide his passion and how happy he is. Can I say his transition, the way that he's just come in and like electrified, you see what yeah. Marco Rose has done at he's Dortmund. Given them energy. In terms of the energy, but just mm. also like, when w- they were watching them against Chelsea, what was amazing about them, I don't know if you saw this too, Flo, that felt like they knew, ex- everyone knew exactly what they were doing. You know how you see like mm. early season games and it's like, it's too early sometimes to like draw conclusions. I saw this one mm. and thought to myself, this feels different. This feels like. And talk about knows. long balls. Yeah. They're mixing yeah. it up. They're mixing yeah, mix- it up. Yes. They want to go a bit yes. more direct. Steph Catley, pinging it into Katie McCabe. Goal, yes. done. Bam. Because it keeps them on it. You know, they, yes. they, they're mixing it up. They, like, they want to still play possession, nice football. But City mm. had 65% possession, I think, in that game. Yes. Mm. And Arsenal won 5-0. Mm. So they, so, they are, there's an aggressiveness that's been lacking. Sometimes you need to draw for the crossbow. You can't just be coming with the like, ooh, the fancy light. You've got to like just go straight Literally. in. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So sometimes you've got to get the knuckle duster out and just shake sure, it. Sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, 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 I think I'm, I'm going to... Obviously do not condone go knuckle duster. Family, it's a family podcast. Family I'm going to give those... I'm going to give flowers to Kim Little, to be honest. I'm, I'm giving her flowers, a massive bunch of flowers. Um, she made a big decision, like I say, to retire from international football. She's looking at the Arsenal, seeing what they're capable of doing, and she wants to put her energy there. She's a fantastic player and she deserves them. So I'm giving um, Kim Little flowers. I'm giving Kim little flowers. Rightly so. Thanks, man. It's been great. Flo, I love you, man. Oh, I love you. What are you doing for the week? What are you doing? Um, You you busy? Yeah, I'm going to QPR uh, Tuesday night, QPR Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leicester. I'm going to King Power to watch Leicester women on Sunday because they're at King Power now. So, yeah, busy week of football ahead. Nice one. Nice one. Moose, you busy, bro? I'm just minding my own business. I listen like every week. Busy minding your own business. Minding my business and staying on target. Listen, that's it. (laughs) Nice one, man. Guys, I'll see you soon. Take care. See you soon, right? Always a pleasure. I love you. Thanks, everybody. It's been a great weekend. You know, this is I I love football at times like this. Arsenal rejoice. Everybody rejoice. Football does this to you. Hopefully you all have a, a great week. And listen, stay safe. Stay safe and well. And we'll be back next week, man. I love you guys, man. And not just because Arsenal won. I genuinely love everybody. Take it easy. (laughs) 